Welcome to the System Hub Podcast. Hola. Konnichiwa. Guten Tag. Where we interview world-class experts. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. I was fanatical in my 20s. If you could find a way to produce a business that works without you, your life would change like that. Extracting, organizing, and optimizing their best systems and processes for rapid business growth. Now, let's get into the show. Hey, it's David Jennings, and it's with great pleasure that I get to introduce our next guest, Mike Michalowicz. He's a business owner who's seen many stages of business, having bought and sold companies. He's done agile investing. He's made lots of money. He's lost lots of money. He's got it back again. He's a small business author, having written multiple best-selling books, including The Pumpkin Plan, Surge, Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, Clockwork, and Profit First. Now, Profit First is the last one that I'm super keen to really drill into in this particular session. And I think for, I think really the fact is most business owners or small business owners really make a profit. And Mike believes that they're approaching it all wrong. They're looking at the, the formula of sales minus expenses equals profit, where he believes you should flip that on its head and put profit first. So without further ado, firstly, I'll, I'll welcome you, Mike, to the session. Oh, David, thanks for having me. I, I hope to share a lot of insights with the folks listening in. Yeah, perfect. Well, the whole premise of this session is to deconstruct how you deploy profit first within different businesses. So perhaps mm. maybe to even just to start, if you can tell us a little bit more about the profit first system, what it is, how it sort of came to be, and then we can really dive into the steps from there. Okay. Yeah. So profit first is a behavioral based cash management system. Interesting, a lot of people confuse it with an accounting system. They say, oh, this replaces my accounting. But no, it actually sits on top of it and it's used to manage your cash uh, and to ensure profitability from the get-go. So every transaction has assured profitability along with other allocations of money, other purposes. And the goal is to have money separated out and allocated to its intended use before you spend a penny. Mm -hmm. And how it came about was just my own need. So I've been an entrepreneur my entire adult life. And while I was growing businesses and outwardly the sales were growing, you know, million, I had one coming at grew to 7 million. As they were growing, outwardly they look successful, but inwardly those monies, in fact, as the sales were increasing, were actually becoming more indebted. I was struggling with cash flow more and more. And what I came to realize ultimately after some major financial calamities for myself is that when we treat profit as something that comes last, it means it's insignificant. It's a behavioral mechanism. Like if I, if you said, you know, David, my, my, I have a real health scare, you would never say, you know, now I'm going to start putting my health last. You say, I put myself, my health first because it's a priority. We don't say, I'm going to put my family last. You, you put your family first. The things that are important to you come first. The things that are insignificant and it's the perpetual manana syndrome are the things that come last. And in the foundational formula that we've been told, sales minus expense equals profit, we're told profit comes last. In fact, we use the vernacular like, Profit's the bottom line or the year end. And all those terms mean profit can wait. So what I teach in Profit First is a little, I was going to say behavioral trick, but it's a behavioral mechanism that prioritizes profitability, assures profitability, and as such, makes your business adjust accordingly to ensure it's achieving sustained profitability and facilitating growth. So that's what the system's about. And, and I did it because I needed this for myself, quite frankly. I think I, I listened to one interview you did where you were talking about the way that, you know, if you want to become more healthy or eat less, you, you start off by having smaller plates. Yes. It's a, a much better way to start rather than trying to micromanage yourself on should I be eating this or that. 
right. you know, start off with making a fundamental change, which I think, yeah, that, that's what I loved about the profit first because <laughs> that's effectively what we're doing, but for finances. That's right. And, and this is the first principle that people can apply in their business is this concept of multiple small plates. So just to give you a little history lesson, the plates in the last 300 years, this is a global phenomena. They used to be the size of what we consider a coffee saucer or maybe a dessert plate today. They've doubled in size. And our behavior, those humans, has not changed. So 300 years ago, those people were putting food on their plates. And as their you know, mom told them, clean off the plate. But since the plate was half the size today, the portions that you could serve were up to half the portions of today. And we therefore consumed half the amount. Well, as plates have doubled in size, the servings have doubled in size because it can fill up the plate. We continue the behavior of eating what's on the plate, therefore doubling our caloric intake, doubling our waistline. And so what I found is in the fitness industry, if you want to control your food consumption, actually all you need to do is get smaller plates for your house. There's not as much space. It's literally that simple because our behavior doesn't need to change. The system confines or controls and directs our behavior to the outcome we want, more controlled uh, consumption of food. Well, this is true for business too. And what we have to implement in profit first, most businesses, and if we were able to do this live and survey your audience, I would suspect the vast majority of people listening in right now, David, have one primary checking account for their bank and all the money flows into there and they pay their bills from it. Maybe they have a second one, but most of the money flows into this one primary checking account and they pay their bills from it. That's the equivalent of one massive plate. What I mean is all this money comes in and we look at it, or, you know, the money, and, and most people do what's called bank balance accounting. This is where we don't refer to our accounting system, look at the income statement, the balance sheet, the cash flow statements. We say we do that, but most people, myself included, revert to bank balance accounting. I log into my bank account. I see what kind of money I have, and I follow a real simple rule set. If I have money, I spend it, and if I don't, you know, panic ensues. I need to sell something to somebody quickly. So the problem, though, is if we have one singular bank account, when that money comes in, all that money is available to address our next apparent or urgent issue. Oh, I got to buy inventory. Oh, thank God that thousand dollars came in, I'll buy inventory or, oh my gosh, payroll's due tomorrow. Oh, thank God there's a thousand dollars. And so that money in whole gets allocated very quickly to the next imminent issue. But then of course the next day there's no money in there. And now the next issue presents itself and panic ensues. So with profit first, instead of having one big plate, if you will, for all our money, we're going to set up multiple small plates. Money flows in the business. We're going to carve it up one. And I suggest in profit first having five foundational accounts. One is the income account. That's where you simply accumulate money and then carve it up. The second account is the profit account. This is money that we allocate money to the distribute to shareholders. Profit is a reward for being a shareholder. You've taken on a massive risk for starting this business. This is a reward, like a thank you for doing that. It's not money that gets pushed back into the business. That's called an expense. It's profit, distribute to the shareholder. Third account is called owner's compensation. Small businesses, most owners work within the business also. I would argue they're the most important employee and need to have a normalized salary just like every other employee. Owner's compensation is to reward or to pay, I should say, the shareholder a salary, a consistent salary. That's their lifestyle account. Different from profit. Profit is a reward for being a shareholder as that bonus check at the end of every quarter. Owner's compensation is your normalized salary. That's what you live your life off. Next account is called tax. Taxes to allocate money to the tax liabilities of the business owners. You know, year end, it doesn't matter where you are in the, in the world, the government will stick its big long hand into your business coffers and take money out as a tax. And uh, in many cases, we're, we're caught off guard, even though we happens every year, we still get caught off guard and panic ensues. So 
The tax account is to reserve money for the tax liabilities of the owner. And then the fifth and final account is called operating expenses. And operating expenses are the residual money that's left over for the operations of the business. And what we do is we allocate based upon percentages. In my book, I have specific percentages and it varies based upon the size and so forth. But let's just say, for example, you know, 10% of income will go to a profit, say 20% to owner's compensation, maybe another 10% to uh, the tax liabilities, and then maybe the remainder, which would be 60% in this case, goes to operating expenses. So if $1,000 comes in, 100 bucks, 10% goes to profit, and it gets reserved specifically and exclusively for that purpose, to reward the shareholder, that profit. 20% goes to owner's compensation, so $200 of that 1,000 goes into paying the owner, another 10%, so $100 goes into taxes, and then $600 goes into operating expenses. And this is significant. Before, we see $1,000 come into our business and say, oh, a thousand dollars to spend on the next thing. Now you've six hundred dollars. So you have to work within the confines of what you really have available. And we have a simple rule here. If you look at those that operating expense and you can't pay those bills, that's your business telling you you're not in the position to afford your bills. We need to correct the business. Cut unnecessary cost, amplify margins, but fix the business so these numbers work out. That's the first stage of profit first. Um, and if we break that down almost like into that step, into <coughs> actual steps. So the first step is obviously to break those accounts up. So if we consider yeah. that step number one, then we'd imagine step number two then would be to think about what those allocations might look like. And then yep. step number three then, are you doing this every time any money comes into the account or kind of like at the end of the week or when does yeah, that so that's another method we have uh, is, is we want to get into a frequency. Yeah. But the, the first, just to recap the steps yeah. you shared, yeah. step one is go to your existing bank. If you like your bank, keep working with them and set these accounts here. And whatever bank you work with, you know, don't let them charge you fees. They are vendors, just like any other vendor you work with. You can negotiate. They are a, a private business. So you can negotiate terms. And if you're not satisfied, you're welcome to visit a different bank. Your money is just as green to another bank. So you can look or green, at least in the US. <laughs> it's just as rain. I found it's like a rainbow of colors, a nausea land. So you're just as rainbowy down there. The, the second step is then the percentages. Now the percentages become um, fixed numbers for a period of time, but we, we start slow and we start to grow. So if you've never been profitable before, we'll start with a smaller percentage, maybe one or 2% of your top line will go to profit. As we build that profit muscle, we amplify three, four, 5% quarter by quarter. So we grow that. The step of then the uh, allocations, it does happen on a periodic basis, but not necessarily on a transaction basis. Yes. So if money comes in, if you do it every second time you get a deposit, it can be overwhelming. You know, you yeah. can get 10, 20 deposits in a day. So what we do is we allow the money to come into the income account. The income account acts as a serving tray. Like, just like food, no one eats off the serving tray. You don't give your guests knife and fork and say, hey, eat off the serving tray. What you do is you use that to serve food to their plate so everyone can get an apportionment. Well, the income account is a serving tray for our business. Money comes in, and then maybe you wait a period of time, more money comes in, deposits over time, and then on a periodic basis, some businesses yeah. do it weekly, some do it, we call it bi-weekly, I think you guys call it every fortnight, yeah. but it's all right. So you do it every fortnight or you do it weekly, let allow the money to accumulate in that time, and then every fortnight you cut that money up 100% of that money is in the income account gets allocated based upon percentages. These remaining four accounts, income account goes back to zero. That serving tray is emptied out. But then starting the next day, you start piling money up for the next fortnight and then you carve it up. And that's, yeah. the, that's the process. Yeah, yeah. 
when it comes to moving it through those accounts as well, because you mentioned the five accounts and then setting up the percentages, that's also based on priority order as well. So I'm assuming, obviously, we're starting with the profit first. And as we kind of head further down the line, if we get to the point where, hey, there hasn't been enough money coming to cover those. Uh, actually, no, it doesn't work that way, obviously, because it's a percentage of what comes in. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's the beauty of a percentage system. To, to your point, David, yeah. if if I had uh, $100 come in, the system works. If I have a dollar come in, it works. And if I have about 10000 or 100000 so this works for any size business at any stage because it's percentage-based. The percentages yep. will always be allocated. The, the question is going to pop up when you look at your operating expenses. And when you can't pay your bills, that means something needs to adjust. Your business will start to speak to you. If, if you allocate money and you don't have enough pay to live off of, that's your business talking to you. Either your lifestyle is too big and too grand and you actually need to right-size it, or we need to amplify income, or we need to make some other percentage adjustments to make that a reality. But when things aren't working, it doesn't mean the system's not working. It means the system's speaking to you and you need to adjust accordingly. Do you ever get a situation where money's come in, let's say you've picked your frequency of once a week or something like that. Obviously, you've got your main trading account where the money's coming in. Money's also going out. It's not just going in throughout that week. So let's say a bit of money came in, you had a big expense. Are you The point at which you're doing that allocation are you doing it based on what is in the account or are you doing it based on all of the money that has come in via as income yeah when it comes to paying your bills you do it only with the money that's sitting in the account currently so as money comes in your income account starts accumulating that money's not available yet to spend for bills and it will cause problems because you have some bills saying these bills are due which all means your business is in a cash flow game because before we had these bills due. We were actually waiting for income to come in. The second came in, we quickly reallocated it to pay that bill. And we're like, whoosh, we wiped the sweat off our brow and said, we just made it. That is not a healthy business. So by intentionally holding money in the income account for a period of a week or two, and if you can't pay bills for that week or two, that's your business again speaking to you saying, you probably have too many bills coming through that it's demanding the money that fast. Mm-hmm. Then when you allocate the money out to the OPEX, then you look and see how much you can pay in your bills. If you're wiping out the OPEX in a second and then you have to wait another two weeks and the OPEX is depleted, you're probably in a cash flow trap. So yeah. it's interesting how the, your business will start to speak to you. And the beautiful thing is we don't need to log into our accounting system. We don't know how to, don't have to know how to read a cash flow statement or balance sheet. All you have to do is log into your bank account balance, your, your bank accounts and see what the balance is, and you'll get a good sense on how healthy your business is in a financial respect. Yeah. And then sort of continuing with the profit first, I know that the another one of the steps then is to then create a second set of bank accounts just slightly out of reach. I, I don't know if you want to drill into that or... I do. I do. So yeah, this is the second kind of core step. And what we call it is removing temptation. And actually, it's kind of the third step. I'm kind of jumping around. But the removing temptation is where you have certain... If it goes in a different flow, don't, don't let me, like if you've got another step that goes prior. Okay. The second step, just I wanted to share a little more about the frequency of how we do this. You said, how often do we do it? The important thing is the sequence of how we do things. So the second step is sequence. These five accounts that we set up at our bank account, at our bank, when money comes at income account, it is important when we allocate money that we do it in a specific sequence. That the money goes first from income, the 10%, for example, goes to profit, and then it goes to owner's comp, and then we do the allocation of tax, and then we do owner's pay. I mean, then we do operating expenses. 
And the thing is, I know they're percentages, so it doesn't matter mathematically. And it doesn't. But behaviorally, it matters. When you transfer money from an income account into your profit account first, there's an endorphin release. Those dopamines go, Ping! because you're actually taking a profit and you start seeing the cash accumulate. That is money that's going to go to you, the shareholder. So that's a very powerful reinforcement mechanism. It's called a reward mechanism. You then allocate money to owner's compensation. Well, that's the pay of the owner, which is if the owner's doing these transfers, that's their own pay. It's another reward mechanism. So it's, you feel a reward, you feel a reward again. Then you allocate money toward tax, which you know, clearly is not a reward, but we're reserving money uh, that, will, that you can pay the government appropriately and accordingly and not put yourself at risk. So it's a protection mechanism. So now it's reward yourself, reward yourself, protect yourself. And the last account is what, what's of service to the business, the operating expenses. So it's reward, reward, protect, and serve. Reward, reward, and protect, and serve. And by allocating money in that sequence, it actually builds the financial muscle and excitement saying, wow, I'm profitable, I'm making money, I don't have to worry about taxes, and now I know what my business can run on. So that sequence is the second step. It seems minuscule, but it's very important for how we respond kind of from that behavioral aspect. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And then... Then we shift into the accounts, yes. Exactly. So the third step is what we call removing temptation. And what I found, I've been doing this for myself now, I'm over 10 years. So I think I'm 40 or 41 consecutive quarters of profit distributions to myself. But here's something I noticed right in the beginning. I put money into my profit account. I put money into all the other accounts. I looked at my operating expenses and I didn't have enough money to pay bills. I was like, uh-oh, what am I going to do? And then I looked at my profit account and said, well, maybe I can just borrow from my profit account. Maybe I can borrow from the tax account. I don't need that money now anyway. And I did. And I never really borrowed from it. I really stole from myself because I never paid it back. And that unwinds the entire system. It's a shell game. It's like saying, oh, this money was a profit, but not really, just for a period of time. Now I'm going to put it into expenses. Mm. Sadly, when people talk about reinvesting or plowing profits back in their business, that is not pro- that, that's an oxymoron. That's not a profit. If you plow back money, it was never a profit. Maybe you called it a profit for a period of time. It's a freaking expense. So I, you know, when people say they plow back money or reinvest, I'm saying, oh, you're electing to incur more expenses. And they're like, yeah, but I don't like to call it that. Well, that's what it is. So when I started stealing from my own profit account to plow back into my business, that was never profit. And that was the big aha for me. What I had to do was remove temptation. And this is how it works. When something is not available to consume, we don't consume it. For me, for, this is an example with food. Like I love Twizzlers. I just took a massive long flight down to Melbourne. It's 22 hours and I was walking down the airport aisle and there at the concession stand is that jumbo king size Twizzlers of death. You know, just pure sugar sticks you're pushing in your mouth. And I very quickly turned around and <laughs> left because I knew I'd consume it. At my house, there was no Twizzlers. My, when my kids go, went trick-or-treating and stuff, my wife would actually pull the Twizzlers out and hide them because she knows I can't stop myself. And that's the problem with temptation. When we're tempted by something, we often try to use willpower to resist the consumption of something. Willpower is like a muscle. It fatigues very quickly. So what we need to do is to remove the availability of something and we can't consume it. I don't eat Twizzlers in my house and I don't eat in my office because they're not here. And when I go to the local gas station or petrol station to fill up, I don't go inside because I know they're going to have Twizzlers there. I always stay outside. I avoid the access to them. And that's what we need to do with the money. When money comes into our profit account, if it sits there, we're going to try to use willpower not to use it, but that will fatigue. 
So what we need to do is invoke a transfer of that profit money over to a second bank. And the goal for this second bank is for it to be out of sight, out of mind. It's inconvenient is what we're looking for. So I have a second bank. We just transferred money over coincidentally today. It was our allocation day. And I'll move money over to the second bank. It's hidden away. It's very hard to access. There's no online access. We have to mail in our deposits. It's archaic. But the beautiful thing is now I don't see that profit and I have to work off my operating expenses. I can't steal from myself. Now, when it comes to distribution time, I'll take the drive over to that bank and take out the money. Then there's a formula we use. But I'll take out the money as a profit distribution and I'll come out to reward myself as a shareholder. It'll never go back into the business. But the only way to prevent this is to remove temptation. So for that profit account, go to the second bank, set up a profit hold account. It's another savings account. Transfer money there. The tax account from your current bank, transfer money over to a tax hold account at the second bank, store it there, make it inconvenient, out of sight, out of mind, and then you're forced to live your lifestyle off of the owner's compensation at the current bank. That's what your lifestyle is. And the operating expenses, that's the business's lifestyle and it must run off of that. Yeah. And so the transferring of the money over, I'm assuming that also has a frequency as well. And then also, maybe it's a little bit further down the line as well, then the frequency of then the withdrawals to take that profit out. Yeah. We, so we do it every weekly or every fortnight. And what happens as money in the income account gets depleted down to zero, we do all the allocations. The money in the profit account, that 10% that got moved in there, we then invoke the transfer over to second bank. Now, some people say to me, Mike, why don't you take it from the income account and transfer it to the second bank? Why do you have this extra step? The reason is transfers from one bank to another can take some time and can get confusing, meaning we don't allocate the money. We see some money still seeing an income and we're like, oh, is that income I can still use or not? The transfer has to happen, which can take two days or three days, or if there's a holiday in between, it can take even four days or five. So mm-hmm. by allocating money to the current bank, that for almost every bank I've ever worked with is instantaneous. The money's transferred in and at least we have it now on the plate. And I know willpower is a muscle in fatigues, but it is a muscle. So for a period of time, I can say, I can't touch that profit. I know what its intended use is. I have to work with the OPEX. And since the transfer has been invoked, it's just a matter of time before that money gets unplugged uh, from the current bank and plugged into the second bank and disappears. So we immediately allocate to these different bank accounts so that we have a clarity on this intended use. And then the transfer can happen in the next day or two when it automatically happens. Yeah, perfect. Okay. And um, what's the, the next step in the profit first system? So the fourth and final step to the kind of the entire process is to get into what we call the rhythm. So we already talked about the frequency by doing this weekly or every fortnight, um, or some businesses even do it monthly. The reason behind this is it prevents the reactionary mentality. Many businesses operate on when a deposit comes in, they get relieved and say, thank God. And they say, how can I spend this and blow it away? That's a problem because it causes what's called peaks and valleys. We go into a peak financial state, we have a lot of money, and then we go into a gluttonous state, we consume all of it, and then panic ensues. And our businesses are very reactionary. In fact, I've interviewed entrepreneurs, not even interviewed them, just asked them a simple question. And I can tell they're a small business entrepreneur if I ask them the same question on two different days and they respond differently. If I ask them, how's business going? And they say, fantastic. I know they just received a big deposit in, in the last day or two. If I ask that same business owner like four days later, how's business going? They'll say, it's freaking miserable. I'm dying. And, you know, nothing's happened in four days except the great shifts of cash. Cash arrives, cash gets blown out. So we become very reactionary in the perception of our business. It's amazing. It's horrible. We actually become bipolar about our business. 
So that's why we need to get this rhythm of accumulating money over periods of time and then allocating it out. So that's the first part of the rhythm every weekly yeah. or fortnight. The second component is profit distributions. We need to get in the frequency, I believe, I'm convinced of it actually, of quarterly profit distributions, meaning every 90 days, as money comes into the income account, we allocate money toward profit, we transfer it to the profit hold account, transfer taxes over to the tax hold account. Every 90 days, we're going to go to that second bank and we're going to pull out a portion, I suggest 50% of the accumulated profits as a reward to the shareholder. So say, just for example, $2,000 has compiled up, has piled up at the profit hold account. I'll take out 50%, it's $1,000, and it goes to the shareholder, goes to you. And your job with it is to celebrate. Use it to reward yourself. Uh, you've taken a mass, massive risk. You started this company, this is your reward. Maybe it's a vacation, maybe it's, it's take down personal debts, maybe it's to pay for, for university, I, I don't know. But use the money for your intended purposes. Then, after 90 days, say another $2,000 gets con contributed to that profit hold. Now we have cumulatively $3,000 there. After 90 days, you take out half of it, now it's $1,500, and you go through the same process. So that's the 90-day rhythm. And then taxes, depends where you are, depends on your setup. Taxes in the U.S. for some businesses pay every 90 days, so you can have a tax check written out. Other businesses, the owner actually has to pay taxes themselves directly, but then every 90 days, the company reimburses the owner for paying those taxes out of pocket at the end of 90 days through another distribution check. So that's what happens every 90 days. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And then that's as far as it feels like, yeah, getting the account set up, getting that rhythm correctly for the distribution. Other stages in the book when it comes to addressing things like, you know, trying to reduce expenses and things like that. Do you have a way that you approach that? Yeah. So, like I mentioned earlier, is when, when you start allocating money toward operating expenses, if you can't pay your bills, your business is selling, you can't afford those bills. And that's where we've got to evaluate expenses. And what I suggest to people is a simply first document their expenses. It's shocking how many people don't even know what their expenses are. And go through them and sort out what are, what are the expenses that we're incurring that we're not deriving any benefit or maybe not even utilizing. Sadly, subscriptions become a problem. You know, so many people, including myself, join like the local gym I go for a month and then I'm like, ah, oh, I'll go next month, but I don't have time now. I'll keep the subscription going. And then I forget about it. And a year later, I've piled up all these bills, not even using it. So what are you subscribed to that you're not using? And then you have two choices, either remove that expense or commit to the product. You the reason you signed up for it. Leverage the crap out of what you purchased. Yeah. Another technique, and I don't really recommend this, but it's a, it's a much more aggressive technique if you're struggling cutting expenses, cancel your credit cards. So many expenses run on credit cards. If you cancel it, trust me, every vendor you have will call you and say, hey, what happened? We can't collect our money. That now forces you to evaluate each vendor. Is this something you want to renew and move to a new credit card? Or is this a mistake and you need to get off of it? Those are two measures. The second one being a little more extreme. But we have to be critical of expenses. Every 90 days, we have our meeting coming up in, in about uh, three weeks. We sit down and we go through cost cutting. Because costs are insidious. They just start appearing and they're necessary at some point, but there's a lot of these residual ones. And I believe almost any business can cut 10% of its cost without any negative effect for its business. So that's, that's what we have to do. I feel like, and we almost might extend a little outside of just the you know, vanilla profit first system yeah. here when we kind of talk in terms of expenses. And you've probably got your bookkeeper that you're working with as well who might handle some of these sort of things. Are there any other stages to this? Like it sounds like, okay, well, every 90 days we're evaluating expenses. Are there any other 
measures or systems that you work out with regards to the bookkeeping person? Like, hey, in that every 90 days when we're looking at spend expenses, we're also printing out our P&Ls and, you know, here are some oh, yeah. that we're looking for. And Yeah, and I'm not trying to plug myself. We've set up a company called Profit First Professionals where we certify people in this method. So our own bookkeeper is certified in our method. And yeah. Every 90 days, we do an evaluation of expenses. We do an evaluation of opportunity. See, this is another thing that's missed. There's two ways to grow a business. This business is bottom line. One's by cutting expenses, but you can only cut so much before you start harming the business. You know, there's, there's a difference between cutting the fat out of a business versus cutting the muscle. So you can cut expenses a little bit. The biggest opportunity is increasing margin. So we say, yeah. what are the opportunities? What's working that we should do more of? Where are we generating the most profitable you know, products? What are they? And so every 90 days we sit down and say, you know, hosting a workshop is actually highly profitable. We need to do a better job and keep amplifying that. Having members is highly profitable, but maybe doing, you know, audio versions of our content is not yielding much revenue and, and maybe we should not do that. So that's opportunity analysis. Yes. We also, we always start off with a profit celebration too. So at the start of that meeting, the first thing we do is we talk about how much profit the business earned. And I'll tell you, that's such an exciting thing. It's like, hey, we beat last quarter. This feels great. We have such good momentum. It gets us excited for the meeting. The irony is traditionally meeting with bookkeepers is usually a negative experience. They come in say, you've spent too much money, you owe taxes. And it's like, oh, I hate this. So we start off with this endorphin release of talking about profit, distributing it. Then we cut expenses, we expand opportunities. And that's, oh, and also if our business has debt, which we're actually debt free, but when our business did have debt in the past, we talk about the necessity to eradicate debt very rapidly and target that. Once that's done, it's all about cut, cut and maintain costs, increase and amplify opportunities. Yeah, perfect. And I know that kind of jumps a little bit into the profit per, uh, first professionals, which is definitely something I think people should look into. And we were just talking before we started recording based here in Melbourne, you, you've got an yeah. office out this way, which is very cool. Yeah. Are there any other areas that those professionals look at? Like, because obviously you have set structured trainings and things that they would be going through as well. Yeah. So, so out of our Melbourne office, we've, we've about 25 first professionals, but they're located throughout Australia, we have all the way to the West with Perth, Sydney, Brisbane. You know, your the geography. Gold. There we go. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. No, you go north of the Gold Coast. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've even been to Adelaide, or I understand you call it Radelaide. Uh, <laughs> I've even been there and enjoyed probably some of the finest wine I've ever experienced in my life. And what we found with our members is that our strength is in our diversity. Some are bookkeepers, some are accountants, some are business coaches. They all walk in with the foundational understanding of Profit First and its implementation. But additionally, they have their specific expertise how to manage the books behind it, how to be compliant with taxes and you know, what an accountant does, or some coaching, how to drive sales around Profit First or how to manage your HR, your team. So yeah. we have a diverse set. It's not just the books alone necessarily. Yeah, perfect. So it's almost like that's that framework and then people operate within that framework. That's right. Very good. Well, yeah, I really appreciate you going through it in such great detail. I think a lot of people will just get excellent ideas on how to approach it just by watching this. They're going to want to find out a little bit more, particularly things around the allocation percentages and, and how to kind of actually step the business into it. So yep. if, where would be the best place for them to continue Enjoy. learning about this? Yeah. So if you want to dig into the book further, it's my website, 
I, because I've written multiple books and they, they work kind of cohesively. It's MikeMichalowitz.com or the better shortcut because Michalowitz is so hard to spell is MikeMotorbike.com. <laughs> my, my high school nickname, my high school nickname, I bought the domain, thank God, MikeMotorbike.com. I'll bring it to my site, chapter downloads, uh, a lot of unprofit first free resources are there. And if you want to look into an expert in, in Australia or anywhere on this yeah. planet, go to ProfitFirstProfessionals.com. And at ProfitFirstProfessionals.com, there's a button that says find one and we'll gladly make an introduction to someone that's well-suited to serve you. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you again for your time, Mike. Very much oh, appreciated. You. I know you're busy. Thanks, Mike. Very appreciated. My joy. You've just been listening to the System Hub Podcast. Remember, we've documented this system for you so you can literally swipe and deploy it within your business. Head to www.systemhub.com forward slash podcast to download it now. 